Hey everybody, welcome back to Reaching Out, a podcast on a mission to make coming out easier through story sharing. I'm your host, Michael. Happy Pride weekend to everybody. This weekend is Pride in a lot of big cities, and this week I will be celebrating Pride in Mexico City. This Pride has been a little bit different than last year's. Last year, I remember my focus was on a lot of our Pride episodes. And while we haven't had as many episodes of the podcast this Pride month, this month I've had a couple new opportunities to share my story in a different way. One being a storytelling event in Mexico City that I'll be speaking at, where I got the opportunity to share a story from my coming out process. And I, and I decided to share an excerpt from my journal that I was writing in as I was coming out. And I found this one passage that I thought was really, really challenging almost to reflect on. I mean, it was around my first time ever being with a guy. And I'll be sharing that in front of a group of people, most of which I do not know. And I'm really excited to see how it goes. I think I'm actually going to turn it into a podcast episode as we're trying some new episode formats. And then tomorrow, actually the day that this episode airs, I'm going to be on a panel at work talking about chosen family. That is a little new for me. I've never done that, and especially in a work setting. So I guess I do that on the podcast every week, but I guess the fact that it's work makes it a little bit different. But either way, I'm really excited about it. Now, before we talk about this week's guest, who I'm absolutely obsessed with, I do want to share one piece of content or another podcast that I've come across in the last couple of weeks that I am so hooked on and I feel like I need to share it. It's called Good Children and it's two best friends, Joe and Andrew, and they talk about their lives growing up in Long Island. They've been friends for over 20 years and they talk about when they found out each other were gay, their gay lives now in New York. And this podcast is so addicting because it has so much millennial nostalgia. I think I'm like six years older than them, but there's enough overlap to where most of what they say, I'm just, it just takes me back, especially as a closeted gay boy. They also include a lot of their, they used to do a lot of home videos together. And so they incorporate that into the podcast a lot, which makes it really interesting. And what's honestly made it so addicting is that it's just full of relatable, authentic experiences. Like there's so much they talk about that I'm like, this is me. For me specifically, the way they talk about body image and how it's affected them their whole lives and is really what's connected with me on such a deep level. And there is no, like, I just, (laughs) I'm truly just sharing this because it's something that I have become so obsessed with. And I want to like tell everybody that I talk to about it. So if you're in the market for new podcasts, go check out Good Children. And without further ado, this week's episode, we talk with Maxwell Poth, the author of the absolutely incredible new book, Young Queer America. I love this episode so much for a couple of reasons. First, Maxwell is a ridiculously talented photographer, and he tells us about how he faked it till he made it as a queer portrait photographer and photojournalist in LA. And he has worked with some of the most insanely talented and famous people. I'm not even kidding. I've linked his portfolio, his website down in the show notes. Go click on that right now because I, I did it the other day and I was like, oh my God, I, I don't even like know who I was talking to. It's super, super impressive. And speaking of his impressive work, he tells us about the inspiration that he got for his new book, Young Queer America, a book that showcases real stories and faces of LGBTQ plus youth, mainly in rural America. And it's a book whose mission resonates a lot with me because there's a lot of parallels to like the reason why this podcast was started as well. In addition to that, Maxwell shares his personal queer journey with us, which despite having loving and accepting family, including a gay twin, 
it had its fair share of bumps in the road due to some pretty harsh bullying that he experienced in his high school years and growing up around the Mormon church in Utah. Ultimately, his story is one of resilience and a refusal to be anything but authentic. Maxwell was such a treat to chat with. And I feel like I say this every week. I don't know why. I just, I, I think everybody that I bring on this podcast somehow is like, <laughs> is super incredible, but I really mean it. He was such a treat. He was such a sweetie. I think you're really going to like this. And before we get into the episode, one more announcement that I keep forgetting to say every single week. We are finally on TikTok. So please go over to TikTok and check out at Reaching Out Pod. I'm still sort of figuring out how TikTok works. So if you have any tips, send those my way as well. And without further ado, here's Maxwell's story. Hey there. Before we continue with this week's story, I just wanted to pop in and remind you that you too can be a part of Reaching Out. If you're interested in sharing your story on the podcast, head on over to at ReachingOutPod on Instagram and fill out the Google form in the link in bio. While you're there, feel free to give us a quick follow if you'd like. Oh yeah, and while I've got you here, if you find yourself enjoying this episode or just want to make my day, by all means, feel free to leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It'll give the podcast a better chance of being discovered by someone who just might need to hear the very story you're about to hear. All right, now back to this week's story. Enjoy, BB. Maxwell Poe, thank you so much for being on Reaching Out today. I'm so excited to have you here. How's it going? It's going really well. You know, it's Friday. It's uh, getting close to summer and everything in LA. So it's just like a very good time to be around right in LA right now. So yeah, it is. I was actually just telling you I was in LA last week. Uh, before we get in your intro, I want you to introduce yourself to the audience, of course. But I have the funniest little story from my time in LA last week. So I had somebody on this podcast, one of the most recent episodes, his name was JC Queen. And uh, we became like pretty good friends, like towards the end of the year last year, I found his podcast and reached out to him and we just built up this friendship and eventually it led to him being on Reaching Out. And then I was in LA last week and we had been talking about me being on his podcast recently. And since I was in LA and they do their podcast recordings in person, he's like, if you have a free day, come over and we can do it. And so last, like last, Wednesday. Oh no, it was last Thursday, I remember, because we went to High Tops afterwards. And we recorded in JC's apartment and where I was walking around and he was like, oh, check out this book my friend just released. And it was your book that we're going to talk about, which I'm so excited to talk about. It was Young Queer America. And I go, oh my God, I'm literally recording with him on Reaching Out next week. He goes, wait, so am I. <laughs> he said that you also are going to be on the Wholesome Podcast as well. Yeah, yeah give me all the Queer Con podcasts. I'm there. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. So you're small making the rounds. I love it. Small Such world. a small world. Yeah, it was super fun. Maxwell, before we dive into your to talking about Young Queer America, which I just got my just showed you I got my copy yesterday in the mail, would you give a quick intro to the listeners? Yes. All right. Just a quick intro about me. My name is Maxwell Post. People say Poss a lot, but it's Post. I'm spending just happening my whole life. Pronouns he, him, his. I am originally from Utah. I moved to Los Angeles about, I'm coming up on my ninth year, which is insane. And yeah, I moved here to be a photographer. So I see myself as a queer portrait photographer, fine art photographer, but also a little bit more photojournalism as well, because I started a project called Project Contrast a few years ago, where I travel the country and I document mainly queer youth throughout rural America. LA for nine years, that's quite a bit. As someone who I, I've like had a hard time sticking around, I like 
And this is like a personal problem I really need to start addressing. And because I'm in my 30s now and I'm like, can you just stay somewhere for a little bit, please? <laughs> I'm like, every, it's, like, it's bad. Yeah. It's like two, two and a half years, maybe close to three is about the max that I've had since I left college. So I need to not maybe I don't want to say need, but I want to to work on this. I'm actually in the market right now for finding a new home. And I'm like, Okay. Nothing sounds better than I want to sign like a two year lease. I want to really lock myself in. I need to like, I'm not even joking. Like, I don't want options right now. Yeah. I have a sister Um, who moves to a new place every year. She has like, it moves into a new house or a new apartment or something every year. I'm just like, girl. Yeah. Stay. That is, that was me. I mean, I uh, lived in San Francisco for about two, almost three years before I I left about a year ago. And I was doing the same thing in SF. I think in my like two and a half years, we'll say, I probably lived in like four places. And uh-huh. it was to be, well, to be honest, SF is interesting because you need to like kind of bounce around a little bit if you're like going to have roommates and like find a spot because it can be really hard to find a spot that's actually somewhere you want to stay. So for my first year, I lived in three places and it was insane. Wow. And I don't recommend it, but... Yeah, I've been there like um, I, my anyways, young twenties when I first moved to LA. Yeah, yeah, LA is on my list too. Though it's after this trip last week, I was like, wait a second. I'm literally just like a basic person who's like walking around a new place for the first like ten minutes. And it's, I could live here. People that shit That's on LA me. are the people who have never lived in LA or don't know much about LA. I have to say because it's a great place yeah. if you're a city person. Like I'm a city person for sure. Me too. But I'm also a very outdoorsy person. I'm from Utah. I grew up in the mountains. Like. I need adventure and I need escape. So it's perfect weather too. So like people are going to argue like, oh, Seattle, Austin, like all these other places. And like, yeah, Seattle's rainy all the time. Well, now LA has been very rainy recently, but it's yeah. just like, to me, like the perfect city because I can still work my butt off and like really hustle like a New York City person. But then at the same time, I can like take a breath and go into nature and like really enjoy myself. So yeah, you that makes city, sense. And- yeah. I'm such a routine person that like I need my spots and having my like go-to cafe is like such a big thing. Me and, too. I f- and thanks to recommendation from JC, I found my spot. If I was to live in WeHo, I already know where I would go every single day for lunch, for coffee. I went all three days I was there. It was well, so good. Go? in the Dialogue Cafe. Oh yeah. Di- I used to go there. It's like now it's just like so <laughs> packed. But I used to go there before like TikTok packed, yeah. blew it up or something. And I would go there like and just sit and it would always just be like this cute little you know, not crazy busy, but just like well-known place. And you could just always sit down and any time of the day and just sit down, grab a coffee. I remember like when I first went to LA, I didn't know anybody. So I like always went to that place and now you can't even get a seat there. (laughs) So I'm really happy for the family. (laughs) Yeah, they must be doing amazing. They took over like, they're taking over the sidewalk space in front of six different places because it's expanded. It seems like it's expanded so much. But yeah, I love that place. I've been to LA a few times before, but this was like the one time I was like, wait, I could... Maybe because I'm like actually actively looking for the next place. And so I was thinking about it that, a little bit more, but it has all my things. It has berries. It has a dialogue cafe <laughs> two blocks away almost. <laughs> There's a lot of berries. What more can I berries. ask for? Berries, yeah. dialogue. Um, yeah, that's literally all I need for 90% Perfect. of my days. So Maxwell, I would love to talk a little bit about your journey from, from Utah to moving to LA and becoming a professional photographer. How did you make that your career and how do you, what was that journey like for you? 
Starting from Utah, just like in photography alone, fake it till you make it. <laughs> like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta oh, say, I, like, I, I've you gotta that. walk <laughs> in and ignorance is bliss too. Like, I, can, I moved here at tw- barely 22 years old. I'm self-taught photographer. I actually have a degree in epidemiology and public health. So well, 360 there. I kind of, you know, have meshed it yeah. together now. But I was just this young 22-year-old who was in Utah. I was very lost. I have never been an artist. I was always a science boy. And I had always played with cameras, but I never really took it seriously. And in Utah, I got signed to like a local modeling agency. And then I ended up getting signed in New York. And then I started doing work in LA as like this 5'5 five, five boy. And I was just like... And at the same time, I had this huge depression. I broke up with my first ever real relationship of like years. And I found that photography and my camera was like the only thing helping me get through that pain. And it really grew into this beautiful thing where... And I mentioned the modeling agencies because I was starting to photograph all of the models in the agencies. And my agents were like, oh, you should start you should start like photographing all of these models and you should do test shoots and you should do this for us. And then I started getting hired everywhere. And then I was like, this is like really like, this feels right for me. I had just graduated college. I always wanted to leave Salt Lake City. I felt like I could not expand and grow in Salt Lake City even more, even though I love my home. I would have just, I just know I would have hit a depression that would have been eternal there. And I just had to get out. So I just said, fuck it. I one day was just like with one of my friends and I said, I think I'm going to move to LA and just try and be a photographer. Moved here and I hustled my ass. I had four meetings the first day I moved to LA and I don't know, fake it till you make it. Ignorance is bliss. I'm also still learning. I've been here nine, almost nine years and there's still so much I could teach myself and learn and grow. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of that resonates with me, especially about the self-taught part because I... People ask like, so how'd you learn how to shoot photos? I'm like, literally YouTube. Like YouTube has taught me everything that I know. Yeah. And then just trial and error going out and, and trying what I've learned through the videos. And yeah, lots of like, I've gone through like eras too. Like I love, I went through like a big like learning how to edit phase. That was really fun. I did that. Yeah. Like, I remember I like, Oof. I did like Whole30 in, during COVID and I didn't do anything. And I had like super nothing to do because I wasn't drinking. I wasn't like even going out because of COVID. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, what? how do I fill my time now? And yeah. it was literally just watch edit people edit photos on YouTube and Way to try go. to replicate Way to it go. after. Yeah, I never so thing. I, I wish I did. I, I sometimes will be like, oh wait, why don't I YouTube this? And then it's just beautiful and it's very educational. And I'm like, why didn't I do this when I was like 22? That, like this would have yeah, like, that, like sped me up so much more. But <laughs> I, I went to other that photographers to like. Yeah. Oh, see, that's smart too. Yeah, I have a, I have a couple of photographers. I can't say this word. <laughs> I have a couple friends who are photographers, and similar. I find like me engaging and asking them questions is a really good way for me to learn. You said you do a lot of queer portrait photography. How did you switch into that? Or like, I get think into that, that was naturally. I can say two. I have two answers for that. I guess I would say just naturally. Like I am very much drawn to the to, to my community and representing my community. When I first moved to LA, I, I started in modeling agencies and I was in the modeling world. And that's how I started making my money when I first moved here. And this was before, right before the modeling agencies started to get more diverse and started to be a little bit more lenient. It still has its issues at times, but I have to say like now you see people 
of all shapes and sizes and disabilities and fashion week and things like that. But this was like right before that. So it was still like very toxic. Even like I, I remember I did, I modeled for American Eagle and I was the very first with my boyfriend at the time. And we were the very first LGBT, American Eagle's like LGBT campaign. Like it was the very first time they had done that. And that was in like 2016. So just it's 2023. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah, that's not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like wow. back when I was still doing all of the agency work, it was not only draining, but I had not known what it meant to be an artist yet. I, like I said, I was a science kid. So I just started the way that I saw photography and what I thought it was and like an American sex top model. And even though photography is beautiful and I love doing that stuff, it was draining for me. And I wasn't growing as a photographer and I wasn't growing as a person. And those two things intertwined for me because that's my art and who I am. And even though like I took film classes in college, like really it's a hands-on thing. Like you really don't know what it's like until you shoot, 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 get somewhere and see what it's really. And it just wasn't for me. And right when I was feeling lost, this is my second answer, right when I was feeling lost in the first time feeling lost as an artist happens all the time. I, uh, that's when I started Project Contrast, pretty much. I started seeing my community not being represented. And I wanted to be one of those people to start representing my community. And then I pretty much, I would say by starting Project Contrast, that launched my photography career more than my own photography career, if that makes sense. Like, I feel because I started Project Contrast and I started doing my own queer work within my portraits, it not only ignited my career, but really helped shape my career and how everyone else viewed me. So that really also launched me in a very niche-based community because I mainly do queer portraiture. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I guess segueing into talking about your new book, Young Queer America. First, do you want to give a description of it for listeners who might not have seen it yet? And Uh then I would love to hear where the origins for this idea came from. Yeah, for sure. I'll pull it up right here. Here is Young Queer America. There we go. Yeah, this is a, a little poppy table book, but also like a book book. You can see it on the shelf. Really shiny and pretty. And it's beautiful. Yeah, it's like a very beautiful book. I want Thank this. You. I, I want to find... This is like when I find my new home, this is going on my coffee table. It's going to be <laughs> front and center. Like I Now, I need, now I'm even more yes. incentivized to get a, to find a place. <laughs> yeah, put that book on the table. That's why you need to get there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I wanted it to be like... Because it's for kids, this book. So I wanted it to be like affordable. But also, it's also for adults. Anyone can have this book. But yeah, it's called Young Queer America, Real Stories and Faces of LGBTQ Plus Youth. It is a photo book and story book compiling a 75 stories of queer youth in mainly rural America, documenting what their lives are like. May, a lot of them share their personal stories about what it's like for them when they first came out or what, what it was like for them just discovering themselves and how they navigated that in rural communities. As you read these stories, you just, you'll read and learn so many different things from these kids. And at the end of each story, these kids give advice to struggling queer youth who can relate to them. Meaning like a kid in Arkansas who is feeling so alone and a queer kid in Arkansas who feels so alone and is afraid to talk to his parents or afraid to really ask questions can open this book and find someone just like them who's going through something that they're going through and find comfort and answers maybe into how they can be happy and find their truth. 
I'm so excited to have you on because that's when I originally reached out to you is because I like when I started to look into it, like I pulled up the link and got to see a little bit of it. I was like, holy shit, this resonates so much with me because this is why I have this podcast as well. Everything you just said was like, I, you haven't learned a lot about me yet, but I came out when I was 28. And I was just like, as I came out, I started to hear other people's coming out stories. And I thought there was always like this one way to do it. And that like, I had missed the window, I missed the boat. And I couldn't do it at a certain point. Like when I was 25, I remember thinking like, you come out by the time you leave college. Like, I can't do that now. And when I came out and started hearing people's stories, I was like, why didn't I know this? Why didn't (laughs) I know it could do, it could be all these different ways. And so that's, I want created this podcast as a way to have people's stories shared. Hopefully it finds someone who might be struggling with it. And so that is exact. It just, when I figured that out after looking into the book, I was like, oh my God, this is so (laughs) perfect. And I need to see it. I need to talk to Maxwell. So I absolutely am like obsessed with what you've done here. And I just got it yesterday. So I haven't had a chance to like read a bunch of the stories yet, but it's just incredible. And I love that the stories are coming from, from the people that you've found and that you're, yeah. you photographed. And so I guess, how did the process of like, you said you traveled around and took these photos. How did that work? How'd you decide where to go? How'd you meet the people in the book? Like how did, I'm so curious about the, all of that. Yeah. Well, I can tell you it was a task. My goodness. Uh, so just like a little like precursor, I started a nonprofit called Project Contrast. So I had this, which is pretty much this book. It is this book. It's connected to this book. In 2017, I started this photo project called Project Contrast because of the high suicide rates within queer youth. And I started it in my, my home state of Utah because the leading cause of death for ages 10 to 17 in the state of Utah is teen suicide. And for me... That was like, what the hell? I came out in high school. And so like, why isn't it getting better? And the the Kickstarter for me of starting that project was a boy from my same high school. His name was Stockton. He took his own life because he was gay. And it made national news because the same weekend, another boy in Salt Lake City took his own life because he was gay. And I have a bigger footprint in Salt Lake City. And I uh, went back and I was just like, hey, Absolutely not. We have to do something about this. And if you, when you open the book, you'll actually see that the book is dedicated to Stockton. And the last two stories in the book are actually from his parents sharing their stories. Wow. That was, to me, was I needed to start helping these kids realize that they aren't alone and they have kids. There are kids literally next door to them in their same schools, in their communities that are just like them. And you don't have to feel alone, even though your communities might be like shunning you and pushing you away. Like, there is hope. So I did that for years. I already had an idea and a map of how to make this book. But then there was a pandemic. <laughs> so I got the... Usually I would meet the kids at LGBT centers through youth groups, things like that, you know. And I got the book deal the day Biden was elected. It, vaccines weren't even out yet. And my publisher, Natalie Butterfield, loved her to death. Natalie was like, all right, you have to start the book January 1st and 2021, and it needs to be done by November 2021. And I was just like, cool. Can't even, this is a traveling book. So yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I did a lot of road trips. I had 34 flights and I had like 11 road trips. And I think even more than that flight-wise. But I couldn't even travel and meet these kids. (laughs) Oh, my my Delta status you got the is miles. Um, you got diamond status. <laughs> uh, I do. I definitely do. I'm not gonna lie there, 
But yeah, no, I couldn't even travel and meet these kids till June because we all had to be vaccinated. So I found these kids because of centers closed down because I had all my connections and so many centers closed down or for good, or they closed, you know, during COVID or kids just weren't going to the centers for obvious reasons. I had to start from ground zero with that. So I found them through TikTok hashtags. I found them through news articles. I found them through mom Facebook groups. I found them through literally like any way possible you can think of. I found these kids connections. One of the LA, one of the California youth is actually a very successful, very young queer DJ. And I found him through my friends in the music industry. So I found more that way. And yeah, just these side note, these kids are really impressive. These kids are like, they are going to be future politicians and they're like, I know all the kids are going to lead the world, but like these kids in this book, wow. Wait till you meet them. Oh man. So what age ranges do you have in the book? 18 and under is the book. I 18 and under. To, yeah. Now they're Got like, it. some of them are 20 and in college and stuff. Because like we started this year. Yeah. So, but, oh my um, gosh. Yeah. This is so cool. What have you heard from, from many of them since the book's come out and they've been able to see themselves? Oh yeah. Yeah. I am the, think of yeah. me as these kids' English teacher. Your English teacher was always <laughs> the queer one that they all ran to yeah. during lunch. Yeah. Like I am that. I am that to them. They... Yeah. Where I'm close with as many as possible. I, I keep in contact with all of them and their parents. And we've just become like this weird, not weird, but this queer family where we all just, they haven't met each other yet for obvious reasons. Yeah. But now that they see each other in yeah. the book, they're like so yeah. excited. We're going to actually have yeah. a Zoom soon in June where we're all going to Zoom and all meet each other. So it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I talk to these kids all the time. Some of them I talk to every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I watched, I think I saw it was probably through your Instagram, I'm guessing, was a reel of the person on the cover, like seeing yeah, himself. Marcus. Like the yeah. unboxing. Yeah. Seeing the mm-hmm. unboxing. And it was like, to see the reaction was just like, it was incredible. It was yeah. just, it was so beautiful. Yes. I just think what you did is like an, so incredible and so powerful and so important. And I just, I'm so happy that you're here to share this with us because I just you. think it, it's so, so incredible. And I would love to now like kind of transition back. You know, you, you mentioned earlier America's Next Top Model and that <laughs> kind of triggered something for me where, you know, through this podcast, we have, we talk about our rainbow flags. A lot of our guests talk about or they share the signs that maybe they should have known or could have known that they were queer before they maybe came out to themselves or to others. And America's Next Top Model, like a lot of, you know, specifically, I know a lot of gay men, that was such a thing, including myself. I remember watching it sneakily in my basement when like VH1, <laughs> VH1 would do like a full on like marathon on Sundays or something. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And so that has a common rainbow flag. And so yeah. I was curious, Maxwell, do you have any rainbow flags that come to mind for you? I mean, so many. I've just always been this very flamboyant boy. I didn't grow up with any brothers. I have the most like Metro dad. Uh, my dad is a Zumba instructor. Like my dad has done heels classes with me. Like my dad is my, my mom and my dad told me they knew I was gay before I did. I always, I, I was definitely an action figure kid. I still love action figures. My best friend who's a photographer as well. We collect action figures. It was like one of our things that we started doing in COVID. But I always gravitated towards the female action figures. I also grew up with a twin sister, so who's a lesbian. 
so she would always take... Oh, my God, take, I love queer twins. Yes, yes. Or, or siblings. Yes. A lot of times twins, too. But yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> my Two of my best friends are twins as well. We're just, like, all over the place. But it's yeah, a thing. It's such a thing. So many twins are gay. It's very yeah, common. Like, is there science behind this? Because I, every, definitely. I God, every twin, every gay twin that I meet, I feel like better chance than not, their twin is also gay. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they are... Like I said, like three of my closest friends actually are twins and there's just like more of that. But yeah, no, I would always take my, my, my twin would take my Power Rangers and I would take her Barbies, everything. I loved Merrick's Excellent Model, of course. I grew up with two older sisters. I loved Britney Spears. I would say Britney Spears. No. I, oh, my yeah, dad huge. Took, yeah, my dad took me to the Britney Spears <laughs> concert. That was like, and we went together, my father and I. So, uh, I don't know. I just, Did the I sisters don't really, join for that too? That was just me. Oh no, it was Boys Night Out. No, yeah. My twin was like all Beatles growing up. I'll never forget there's this photo from my twins in my 18th birthday party. And my mom brought out a cake and the cake had, it was Max and Carly. And underneath Max, my mom had like printed from the bakery a Britney Spears poster. And then my twin had a Beatles poster. (laughs) (laughs) And this is like when I was just starting to come out. So I was just like, oh my God, my mom just had to know. And I just, yeah. What were some of the female action figures that you had? Because I definitely played with Barbies for a long time and to the point where it raised some concerns about some from some of my neighbor parents, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was definitely a Barbie person and a Polly Pocket person. I had... Polly Pockets for sure. Not too. <laughs> like the tiny Polly Pockets, like the ones that were like this big that had the rubber clothes. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was obsessed with those. Oh my gosh. I had this... I was definitely the smaller, the tiny ones. Oh, yeah. Ones I, had. I had those, but no, I liked the other ones because they were a little bit bigger and they could work with my yeah. action figures as well. But no, I definitely was just like an action figure guy. But yeah, the girl action figures, I loved. I remember I had the Storm I was obsessed with. And um, any of them with like heels or like could fight really well. And like like I had an Alexa that I was obsessed with her. Oh, with her her daggers? Yeah, and you like lifted up her skirt and she literally had an ass. (laughs) And I was just like, oh my God. (laughs) Whoa. Storm is probably, I look back on my remote flags. Storm is like such a huge one. I, I I used to have a... Until recently, I had actually had this X Men Storm t shirt, but I lost it. And now I replaced it with a rogue one because I decided to switch it up. All but right, if, like, there you go. If you, were a chick, if you were a chick and you could fly, like game over. Like that, I'm obsessed. Like, Ugh. say no more. With a cape, too. Like, she was just like, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, Storm was bomb. And if you, can, if, you can, if you can shoot like lightning bolts or like any sort of, like, right now, I love like Wanda because she's like flying around Ugh. killing people. The cool there. little hands that she does. <laughs> I'm chaos, just like, yeah. <laughs> the little, like, the. <laughs> Yeah, when my friends and I go like hiking and stuff, I'm always pretending I have superpowers and I'm always like, yes. Yeah. I used to, do you ever do the thing like growing up in the, in the shower? I would like let the water go down my arm oh, and down absolutely. my fingers and that pretend that like, you're like the weakest X Men of all time. You yes. Can shoot the one that like trickles of. <laughs> I thought of actually like the guy that like from the first X Men who like just went into a water blob. Do you remember that? With when oh, Storm yeah, was yeah, holding, yeah, yeah. like that's what I thought about. I was always the like, senator, <laughs> like yeah. yeah, that senator guy. <laughs> that was like what I thought. It was about. like, yeah, yeah. It would, oh yeah, because he was like anti X Men, and he they <laughs> turned him into a mutant. Yeah, so, Magneto uh, did, and then they saved him, and then yeah. he died, and he became a pot, like a water puddle. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, I I totally remember that. Iconic, and Storm um, was like holding his hand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah man, that's so good. I'm. I miss X-Men movies and I cannot wait for them to to join the MCU. 
Oh yeah, whole other podcast. Are topic. you? <laughs> I, I could go off. I, on I've thought about it. <laughs> I've thought about it. What? So are you? Does this mean you're an MCU fan as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like I literally, okay. I'm obsessed. I, I the action figures I collect are Marvel. Uh, I am just like obsessed with Marvel. It's like my kid thing. I even have comic yeah. books. I have some yeah. that are like in pristine condition and like the plastic that are oh like rated. God. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Love that Wait, stuff. Wait, this is incredible. Wait, what was I just saw? What was the most? Why am I blanking right now? What the most recent Marvel movie that just came out? I oh, totally Guardians. Just, yeah. Guardians. Yes. Of yeah, course. Yeah. I've been talking about, I've been talking about Guardians to anybody who will listen. Ugh. I went by myself. So did I. Uh, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I went by myself. I took a little bit of an edible, so I was like a little stoned for it. And I <laughs> are we the same person? <laughs> I think we might be. I cried so many times that I, I luckily I saw it in 3D, so I had the glasses on, but I was literally just like stoned crying like at every like 30 minutes. And the next morning, my I've never had this. That was probably the most I've cried, I think, maybe ever. And my wow. my face was so dehydrated the next day. And my eyes were like raw. I was just like, oh my God, what happened to me? And yeah. the movie was just so good. I thought, did you think it was, did you think it was good? It was amazing. Like I, I definitely, I thought it was missing a little bit more of the camp that like, like you, you're used to watching a Guardians of the Galaxy movie and like they do something ridiculous and you're just like fucking mind blown and you're just like, oh my mm. God, that shit is amazing. <laughs> they still gave yeah. us that, but I feel like they didn't give us as much as I wanted. Uh, but like, I still a different tone thought it was amazing. Guardians. It definitely did, yeah. but I thought it was amazing. It was beautifully made. I also went by myself. I always, I love to go to Marvel movies by myself. Always. And I, always. my partner does not care at all about Marvel movies. He like falls asleep every time we walk into the theater. And I just sit in the second row because I'm too observant. So I can't like see anyone around me. It's cursed. Yeah. And I just get stoned and I watch it right there. Yes. I was very emotional. Uh, yeah. It's so good. Although sometimes I find when I'm stoned watching movies, especially Marvel movies, I get like hyper fixated on things when I notice things are like fake. Oh, true. And so yeah, I remember sure. I, I saw Quantumania with I some of my it. friends. And again, I thought it was good, but I got a little bit too stoned for this one. And all, I was just like, green screen, fake, plastic suit. the whole suit. thing like, was green screen. <laughs> yeah. The entire thing. Like I, they shot that in one room. They and shot that in one room. It. The whole movie was shot in one Literally. room. I'm a, Ant-Man yeah. is like my favorite. So I'm just like biased, but I love it. I love, I don't like where MCU is going per se. I think they're getting a little too cheesy, but at the same time, like it's comic books. Like they are just going to yeah. keep getting more and more cheesy. Yeah, I like Guardians was a nice for me. I think yeah, there's been a little bit of the latest movies have been a little bit less hits for me, like through as consistently. But Guardians for me was like a really big return to glory. Though as soon as James Gunn's now going to DC, which is sad for for Guardians. It was good. It's good for getting DC a little bit better. (laughs) They definitely need help. Okay, I could talk about this with you. I think for a long time, but. Maybe that'll be when I start my second podcast discussing the MCU. But I would love to learn more about you and your coming out journey. Now knowing some of your rainbow flags that started at quite an early age, which I love to hear. What was that like for you? You said, for example, you said your parents could tell before before you knew. What was it like for you coming into that realization? I have to say that I am I come from like the most accepting, loving family possible when it comes to being a queer person when even going to like my grandparents and it's like before my nana passed away a few years ago she would tell me every time I saw her she'd be like I don't even care that you're gay I was always accepting of people even when I was a child 
My grandpa passed away before I came out. Not sure what he would have felt. I come from a very loving family, a very queer family. And I think my curveball was my mom divorced my dad when I was young and my dad moved away for a long time. I I only saw him like twice in probably like a five-year stint. And in those five years, that was like my two older sisters were already out of the house. And my twin and I were just like left with my mom and my mom had married a Mormon. And so when I was from nine years old to 19, my mom was married to this man and horrible man, but we were baptized Mormon. And my mom and my twin and I lived a Mormon lifestyle most of my childhood. I personally don't carry any trauma from the Mormon church. I carry maybe anger from the Mormon church, but I personally don't have any, anything holding me back, like questioning my sexuality or my internalized homophobia or anything like that. I feel like I've always been very confident as a queer person, which I'm very grateful for that. But I was very much shunned by my community growing up. I came out in high school and I was captain of the cheer squad senior year. I was a cheerleader. I was, there's no holding back for Maxwell Post. And I never even thought about, because I grew up Mormon, I never even thought about my sexuality or even sex until probably like freshman year in high school or maybe even a little after that. And growing up where I'm from, it's not, oh, Bethany slept with Darren last weekend because I know a lot of high schools and other communities that's like more normal where people are starting to do like that. But mine was like, oh, Becky kissed Darren on Friday. Like what a whore, you know? Scandal. Yeah, such a scandal. So like it just was not in my mind like until I was probably about 15, 16 years old. I had just, because some people will be like, oh yeah, I knew I was gay when I was three. I knew I was gay when I was seven. I had no idea. I just never once thought about it. And, and then it happened pretty quick for me. I, I came out because I had this Nicholas Sparks summer with this boy who, went from, who was in the other high school. And his name was Alexander. We're still very close to this day. I actually saw him a few weeks ago. And we're each other's biggest cheerleaders to this day. He moved to New York City. I moved to LA. It was really, we wrote each other handwritten letters off through college. Nicholas Sparks vibes. Exactly. (laughs) And we truly love each other and we changed the course of each other's lives. And we would even like in the summers, like we would sneak out of our houses and go to the golf course and lay out a blanket and just be there for hours, just just like talking. And because he ended up being best friends with someone who was dating a girl from my high school, she found out I was gay. We became like this little crew. And I was like, you know what? Like this boy is giving me the confidence I need to find my truth and to be confident in who I am. I started just coming out to my closest friends and my sisters and eventually I was just out. And even though my family and my friends accepted me, I I went back into the closet senior year of high school because I was starting to get horribly bullied by my peers in my community and by other high schools, like so bad. And I would even tell people that I was gay in school or my teachers And they would be, they wouldn't even listen. They would like pretend I didn't say that because you have to think growing up in Utah, everyone's Mormon. Like even our teachers are Mormon and our politicians are Mormon. Everything is just engraved there. It's getting better, but it still very much exists there. And so I went back in the closet because I was just like, wow, no one's hearing me. No one's listening to me. 
even when I got bullied, I would get sent to the principal's office and the principal would even not even, she'd go, why are you here? Like, why are you being bullied? Like, is it because, and the cop, like the, like this police cop was there. I remember one day with my parents sitting in the room and they were like, they're all saying that are you gay. Are you gay? And I'm just like, I'm fucking 17 years old. And you just like deliberately in front of my parents, like grilling me that I'm gay. Like we're here because I'm being bullied. Like, why are we yeah. talking about my sexuality right now? So it was really hard for me to come to terms with myself because of my community, which is why I feel so connected to my projects and why I started my project because there are still so many places, if not most places in our country where these educators and these teachers and these peers and these communities aren't listening to these kids and aren't making them feel seen and heard. So that's how I felt. And it took me a while to go back. I even started dating girls senior year again and like trying to do that. I was like captain of the cheer yeah. squad and my one of my girlfriends in high school was captain of the dance squad. <laughs> power we couple. Were, <laughs> That's a power couple. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was just like, yeah. I was just fooling. I don't know. Like it was a journey. When you said you went back into the closet for senior year and started dating girls, were you like trying? I asked this because I tried so hard to like make girls work for me. Like I yeah. wanted it to be, I wanted it to work. I really did because to me at the time, I don't think this way at all anymore, like quite the opposite. But like the thought of being gay was very undesirable to me. And I couldn't make terms with, or make peace with that. And so I genuinely wanted like girls to work for me, but like, obviously it never did. So I'm curious, yeah. like, was it more of just to like kind of throw people off the trail or were you actually trying to like make it work for you too? I think that both. I think I was trying to throw them off the trail, but then I also was trying to make it work for me. I was confused. My community was like, there's two main points. There's two main things that happened to me, or even I'd say three that happened to me where I was just like, holy shit. Like one of them was my junior year in high school is when I kissed my first boy and like we made out and he went to a different high school. And that was like a huge rumor and not rumor, true. But you know, it was like a huge rumor. And I remember this girl from my cheer squad came up to me like just point blank right before school started in the commons. And she was like, hey, Max, there's this rumor going around that you made out with the guy at Woods Cross. But, and before I could answer, because I was going to say, yeah, she goes, but that can't be true. You can't be gay. Like being gay is bad. That's like against the, that's like a sin. And I was just like, fuck it. I'm not going to answer that one anymore. And, and then I remember being at an away game and away games as a cheerleader were the worst for me. That is when I was like fucking put on a cross. Like I was bullied so hard at other schools, like to the point where like, I'm shocked that I'm okay. <laughs> I remember one time, like going to the drinking fountain during a basketball game and it was like time or something. And no joke, this is like out of a rom-com. These like bitch blonde cheerleaders from the other school, like all walk in like a triangle and they all come right to me and they go, no. so you're the boy cheerleader. And I was the only boy cheerleader at this time. I like it was like this huge thing. My high school wasn't going to let me try out. And my mom like threatened to sue. So they let me. And I was a gymnast my <laughs> whole life. So like I was a good cheerleader. I could yeah. lift the girls. I could throw, they threw me. I was tumbling. I'm 5'5", five five, by the way. I'm shorty. But I was just, I was great. And I remember I turned around and these girls, they go, so you're the boy cheerleader we all hear about. And I was the only one in the district or maybe even the whole state. I'm not the kidding. The state, yeah. Yeah, I was the, I remember wow. when I became a cheerleader, they were like, you're the first one in 32 years in Bound since Bountiful High. And after I did that, I'm not kidding, my senior year, boy cheerleaders sprawled everywhere throughout Utah. No joke. And no I way. like, yeah, it was crazy. 
But I remember I turned around this girl. She was like, so you're the boy cheerleader? I was like, yeah. And she goes, well, are you gay? And then all the girls like started being like, yeah, staggate. And like all like calling me these names. I was like, oh these my are God. Mormon girl. Like these are like, yeah. that's one of the reasons I hate religion. They're like, they're all like, oh, we're supposed to be God-like. Not all religion, but like, oh, we're supposed to be God-like, but we're the most judgmental out of anyone. And it's yeah. <laughs> look in the mirror but and they like all yelled at Holy me and they shit. like grouped up on me i was like am i about to be like beat up by like, yeah. these blonde cheerleaders and then like the Doesn't last happen one to bring it on <laughs> yeah right i literally was like oh my god this is like my favorite wrong this is like one of my favorite movies but and then i remember the worst one was it was like a home it was an away game again and it was it was our rivals it was like everyone and it was our rival high school so we all knew each other and I got there and while I'm going on to the track to start cheering with my team, there were po- people holding up posters saying Maxwell's a fat, Max is a fag and things like that. And posters? No, yes. And nobody did anything. Parents, teachers. It was just like, so it's just, I was done with it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just not be gay. <laughs> Like I, this isn't like space for me. I feel my mom was heartbroken. She was like letting me go through my journey. She wasn't trying to push it. But yeah, like that was it for me. And then end of senior year, I really just started owning it, not giving a crap what people thought. And when that happened and nobody bullied me anymore, my high school was great. They never bullied me. They were cool with me. I'm still really close with a lot of those people today. But yeah, it was a journey. And then I just went to college and just started living my gay life. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so where, where did you leave Utah for college? No, I stayed in Salt Lake City for college. Okay. So I didn't leave until six months after college. I came to LA. When you go to college, what was that like for you? Did you started to live more openly gay? Oh, yeah. Was it hard to do since you were still in Utah? No, it was easy. Salt Lake City is very, a very, very blue bubble and it's very queer actually. So for me, I just like shut that door and I didn't even look back. I had, I wasn't sad. I wasn't mad. I was just like, I even left the church at 16. I was the first person in my, my, out of the three of my mom, my twin and I to leave. And I was just like, I'm going. I went, I got accepted to college. I actually, started talking to a boy already at my college when I was in high school. So like I already met a gaggle of gays at my college and I was sneaking, I was sneaking in a gay bar. That's hard enough to do this. That's hard enough to do in San Francisco. How do you do it? Oh, so this is actually amazing. So Alexander, my high school boyfriend, we weren't boyfriends anymore because he was in New York city. We still like love each other and we were close. So he took me to my first gay bar. He was probably 18. I was 17. And he had already grad, he was a year above me. So he was already in college at that time. So he was like, come on, I'm taking you out to your first gay club. And he snuck me in. I was 17 years old. He snuck me into a gay bar. And it was the best night of my life. I remember <laughs> I hadn't, I had never been around so many gay men. And yeah. I remember, you know, I'm dancing and I'm a fresh meat. No one's seen me before. So all eyes were on me. People were looking at me. And this like gaggle of gays bumped me. And one of them asked for my number. And that he just so happened to be going to the college I got accepted to. So he was also 17? <laughs> <laughs> no. He was, or was not he already 17. in college? He was already, he was already in, college. in college. He was already uh, in college. Okay, I got it. <laughs> yes. And he wasn't that much older than me. It wasn't like a weird thing. But he asked me out and then I got to start, I started going on dates with him. And then you know, he had all those friends that went to that college as well. So I ended up becoming best friends with all of those gays. I still am. One of them moved to LA. I was just the best man at his wedding. 
But oh just like a funny moment where I, they were like already, I already started to see my community before I graduated high school. I was already going into Salt Lake City from my hometown, which was like 15 minutes away from Salt Lake and going to the gay bars every Friday night and hanging out with gay people in Salt Lake City. So I had already started to detach myself from uh, my high school roots. And then once I graduated, I was just like, Mike dropped by. And I just like, like bye. Yeah. And I was fine after that. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, man, you just triggered a memory for me when you talked about going to your first gay bar. And it sounds like we had different experiences, but because for me, I remember my first, I'm counting my first gay bar as like an openly out person. I just moved to San Francisco. I was probably a year into coming out. I was, I was 29, probably. Yeah, I think I was 29. Wow. How old are you now, by the way? I had, I'm 33. Okay. So, I've, so my you're five still year, a baby. My, I know, my five-year coming out anniversary is in about a month. So we're almost hitting the five-year mark. Yeah, But yeah, it's interesting because I'm like five years. To me, on one hand, I'm like, wow, that's like a long time. But then at the same time, everyone I meet on this podcast... Well, not everybody. I'm obviously generalizing here. But like, you know, a lot of people I meet living where I've lived in like SF and just the people I'm meeting now, like people have been out for so long. Like JC, for example, he was out at 14. He yeah, came out... I believe it. Yeah, I double him, and that's when I came out. Like, I it's hard for me to like wrap my head around that sometimes, and it's hard. Like, for example, the reason why this first gay bar story was, or first gay bar experience for me was different than yours was like I'm showing up as a 29 year old. I've never been around all gay people who, like, in my mind, everybody at this bar has been gay. They're pros at this. They know how this goes. Like, this is a normal experience for them. I'm sitting there just so (laughs) nervous. I got, I ran into people. Like, I don't know. It was just like a very, it was fun, but I've met a lot of people that I'm over. It's totally overwhelming. And now, and it was like that for a while at gay bars. Like, whenever I'd be by myself, I'd feel extreme anxiety. Yeah. Like, I was like, I would try to not. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm not. Uh, I used to like be not, like. Not I used that, to be like but... full, full. Like I would just strut into those bars up until like right before COVID, maybe, and maybe, and I was just yeah. like, now you, some, you never see me there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was that first gay bar. It was uh, was high tops and SF, and that was a, a precursor of things to show Beautiful place. things to come. Because now I'm I'm there as much as I can. Yeah, our, our, <laughs> yeah. the WeHo High Tops is like our local gay bar. I love it. It's the, it's, it's the only yeah. gay bar I love to go to still. And that's where I see Same. everyone and catch up with everyone yeah. if I go. I don't drink. So I, I just go now and I just stand there. And I'm just like, hey, everybody. Yeah. And just like, yeah. <laughs> that's where we went. Yeah, we went there. I went there last Thursday. It was so good to be back there. It's I actually fun. am like super brave and I have so much self-control because I actually turned down High Tops last night to stay in. So yeah, I'm very impressive. I know. I mean, you're Thank still you. new. You're five years in. You still like you still got to go to those gay bars and get that out of your system. Oh, I know. I've been going to Anderson since I was 17, and I moved to WeHo, and I would yeah. go almost every day. So, yes. like, I lived my truth there, and I loved it. Yeah. I still do. Yeah. Well, thanks for that little high top sidebar there. But so then, what was it like when you went to LA? Like that must have been like you went from Salt Lake City to LA, right? Yeah. And then yeah. you've been there. You've been there yeah. since. Like. How has your life, your I guess your queer life kind of changed or have you grown as a person in LA? Absolutely. I was in that when I was in Utah, I was gay. And now that I'm in LA, I'm queer. Like I learned what it was to be queer in this city. And I learned that I am queer and I learned about my trans brothers and sisters and my non-binary crews. And just I just discovered what it meant to be queer on such a higher level. The diversity, just like Everything here is just so amazing. And I had the time of my life moving here in my young 20s. Like 
I'm about to turn 30 on Tuesday, actually. Shifting. But yes, but I had a blast. I think I moved here at the perfect time. I said it earlier, ignorance is bliss. I was just this naive little 20-year-old and I just moved here and I had no idea what LA was about. I had only visited twice before. I had absolutely no friends. I didn't know a soul in Los Angeles. And I had connections through Instagram, but I didn't know anybody. So I was a clean slate when I moved here. Like I went from Max Post to Maxwell Post even. And I just, I loved it. I had so much fun. I met like my amazing chosen family and really found my purpose here. That's beautiful. I also really love a name rebrand with a move. I did the same thing when I moved to Austin. Mm -hmm. I rebranded from Mike to Michael and I look well, back since. You, you know, know what happens, you know, us gays always go by their full names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember I've always um, gone by Max. No one's ever called me Maxwell until my high school boyfriend, Ali Alexander. He yeah. always called me Maxwell. And I was just yeah. like, all right, I slowly go like that. We'll try this. So you mentioned that you went from being gay to being queer. Could you talk about that a little bit? Because I think I know, especially for maybe some allies, if they're listening, they might not really know what that means. And I think the word queer is so interesting and powerful because it a lot, I think it's a lot of people, it has, it's had a negative connotation to it, but mm -hmm. it seems like, especially for people who aren't queer. So yeah, um, for sure. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I would definitely say it's different for everybody, what that mean words to them. I'm not going to say what it means. I'll just say what it means to me, specifically yeah. queer. We brought that back, I think, because as a broad spectrum to cover all bases, first of all. But for me personally, like I've always been feminine. I have, there's not one, my friends make this joke with me. They go, Max, you are mas masculine passing until you move or, move or talk. <laughs> Pretty much I'm not at all. And so it's just like funny to me because when I was in Salt Lake City, even my friends now that have all even moved out of Salt Lake City, we talk about this and we reminisce about this of just how, how do I even say this? Just, I was always just trying to still be a little bit more masculine. I was always trying to have that internal, I was still fighting my internalized homophobia a little bit. And then moving and living in Salt Lake City, even though it was very queer, I still didn't feel safe, like being who I fully was. So moving, I love to wear a heel. I love to wear a dress. I love to be feminine. I love to, my, my go-to is Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. I want to be Cameron Diaz with a jean and a yes. stiletto and a tank at, a, at an event. Like that is like what I love to think I am. And you I are, just- You are, for sure. And I just wanted to find that confidence in who I was and be fully comfortable with who I am in all aspects. Because aside from that, I am like, I dress like an OC dad. I love my skater brands in the North States. I wear Vans every day and Tivas every day in the summer. So I personally am this weird mix of, I love to be like this feminine, sexy person, but at the same time, I hold on to what makes me comfortable on my masculine side as well. And yeah, just like in touch with all these different sides. Yeah. Yeah. And also being queer, meeting the people around me and the people I want to be around to make me feel like safe to be me and, so that, that's how I identify as queer. I like to break the binary and how it. I present. And it just feels right just saying it, just saying queer for me. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love that. Maxwell, I want to be conscious of your time here. I know we've been talking for almost an hour and it's been so good to meet you and to hear about uh, your journey leading you to Young Queer America, which I think everybody needs to check out. If your story or 
Young Queer America is resonating with some of the listeners and they want to check it out or learn more about you, follow you on social media, where is the best place for them to find you and to find the Young Queer America? My Instagram is Maxwell Post. I'm the only one in the world. <laughs> now you can find me on social media, of course. I talk about my book constantly on there. You can get my book anywhere books are sold, Barnes and Noble, your local bookstores, hopefully. You can even order it on Urban Outfitters now, I just found out, which is cool. Oh, wow. Nice. Don't know why it's there, but I'm very happy about that. So yeah, you can order the book there. My my message for this book is I really just want everyone to know it exists. I want every queer kid to know it exists because it can save a life and it can change a life. And these stories are so freaking powerful. I think this book is hopefully going to be recognized and shared and yeah, just please go get that book. You can also go on our Project Contrast Instagram. That's where we share a lot of stuff. We're projectcontrast.org. If you want to see more of my work, maxwellpoke.com. But yeah, there you go. Perfect. We will make sure to link all of these in the show notes below. And yes, and thank you so much again. This has been so nice to chat with you and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If today's story resonated with you or you just had a good time listening, feel free to leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we get, the better chance that the show has at being discovered by someone who just might need to hear the very story you heard today. You can also follow along with Reaching Out on Instagram and TikTok at ReachingOutPod. And you can follow me on Instagram at Michael Wingsit. Bye-bye. See you.